Absolutely. You know, uh, the world is full of great Walters. <laughs> two, of them, two of them are right here. <laughs> I'm beginning to believe that, Walt. Yeah. I mean, every time you turn around, there's a Walter, you know? Uh, so. Yeah. But yeah. thank you for joining um, us. No problem. No problem. I, uh, well, before we get started, a little bit about me. I was born in Harlem. I was born at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. And um, my father was uh, an entrepreneur. Okay. And uh, he had a, a bakery in Queens. And the, the biggest problem that uh, entrepreneurs, African-American entrepreneurs have is the lack of capital, right? The access to capital, right? right? How, how do you get, let me stop shaking this. How do you get these loans for your startup, right? Or for your small business? Right. Where, how do you get the money? Um, when you have, uh, a family that, that, that is not a high net worth family and you want to go out on your own to get money, you, you know, even if you have good credit, I mean, what you, you'd have to take a loan against your house if you have a house, yeah, right? So now, a young, a young, yeah. Right. A young person doesn't have a house, right? So everything is based on collateral. We live in a time now where you can do a GoFundMe or you, you, you can get online and, and plead to people or try to find an angel investor. And that's more for someone who has a big, a big picture item, right? right? Someone who wants to maybe start a, a laptop company and they need $30 million and they have this great idea for these new laptops that are revolutionary. And you could find an angel inv investor like a Mark Cuban or, or somebody that would, that would come in with you. But for the average, person uh who wants to start a small business it's hard it's hard to get access to capital um i just saw a young lady this morning who 
got into the Forbes BLK program and, and they will give her access to capital. So you, ha you have to find these programs um, through Forbes, through Chase Bank, through um, Bank of America. You, you have to jump through a lot of hoops and you have to have a, a, a business plan and you have to become financially literate, right? So, you, so there's some education involved too. So you have to educate yourself on what it is you're actually doing. Okay. So to, to, to become an entrepreneur, I think you would want to start at your local community college and find a business class. You know, um, I know City College used to do it. I know out here at Santa Monica College, they used to do it. But you got to start a business class. You, you got to go to a business class because you can't, you know, it can't be the blind following the blind, right? Okay. You know. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to do what my uncle did. My uncle has a, a, a little auto mechanic shop, you know, that's never going to grow because he doesn't know how to grow it. So then you come along behind him and say, "Well, I'm going to do what he did. He has a shop." It, that's not how. It's not going to work that way. You have to go get the knowledge. You know, uh, I, uh, KRS One said, "Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone." Right. Yeah. You you have to get the knowledge to to know what you're doing. You cannot start a business without knowing what it takes to start a business. When I got into this business, I had to study for hours, hours on end um, to, 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 to get a Series 7 license, to get a 63 license, to get a 65, to, to get a life insurance license. And you had to work under someone for a certain amount of years till you learn the business. So right? like so, you had to go through like an apprenticeship? Or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Find a mentor, right? You, you know, I, I, could, I, I can go through all these sayings that your parents told you and you thought, oh, mom and dad, they're just talking. Mm -hmm. Listen, uh, I'm sure, you know, uh, your mother or father said, if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Think about that. Mm -hmm. That's a strong statement, right? If you're trying to start a business and you're hanging around a bunch of people who don't know how to start a business, nine times out of 10, you're never gonna start your business. Very true, very true. Right? So, so when we start talking about entrepreneurs and, and, and what's going on in the world today, I use this, this term where, when I talk to young people, I say, you know, there's money flying through the air. It's flying through the air every, every second, every millisecond of the day, it's flying, there's money flying through the air. You have to figure out how can you catch some of it? I do that all the right? time. And what I'm saying is, it's going through the internet. It's, 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 it's being transferred from here to there to there to there. It's all through the internet. It's all through its electronic transfers. We really don't need cash anymore, right? How can you, and, and these laptops and these phones and, and these tablets, how can you use that to get that money into your account, right? Mm -hmm. So you're selling something, right? What's the best way to sell it? You know, if you're, you, you gotta, and, and you can't just sit home and come up with these ideas on your own. You gotta go find a mentor. You gotta go take a class. You gotta get the knowledge and understand what the business you are in, what does it mean? How, do you, how does it work? You know, I see recording artists all the time arguing, oh, you know, we got a bad contract. We, well, how, how many years have you, have, have we been given bad contracts to recording artists? Since you know, forever. since Especially forever. Right. So, right. So when, when will you, 
make the adjustment and say, you know what? I'm not going to sign that contract. I can go online. If I master this, I can go online and create my own record label. And, and like MC Hammer did, they came to him. When they came to MC Hammer, they offered him, I think they offered him uh, $2 million. He said, I'm making that selling this stuff out of my trunk. <laughs> you know, he's like, $2 million. He said, I made that last year. I got to their appreciation and they, for And they had to go back. Yeah. yeah, and they had to go back. They said, this guy's crazy. But he was like, I'm, I'm, listen, you want to give me seven cents on every, on every CD? I'm getting 100% on every CD right now. Okay. That was MC Hammer's mindset. Okay. You know, you got to come better than that. You know. All right, now, so we, I, I do have a question. Uh, Want to make a point? Sure. Quick. Sure. All right. Now you have different races or people with ethnic backgrounds. Let's take, for instance, Indians or Pakistanis. They mm -hmm. come to this country, all right, and they are able to open up a store or buy existing enterprises. I think they have some type of syndication going on where they look at everything as a group. You got a new guy going, they give him a certain percentage to the, the, the group of people mm -hmm. or the consortium, all right? Right. And that's how they raise capital. They don't necessarily have to go to the bank. They can do it right. within their community. And why can't we right. do that? They, uh, why can't we do that is because we don't have the leadership to do that. We don't have the trust of each other to do that. I do believe that these young people that are coming up are starting to do that now. When you look at the rich Pauls of the world mm -hmm. and you start looking at you know, some of these younger people who are um, working with each other. I'll never forget, I was coming out of my office in Century City and uh, somebody said, did you see the, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter and I opened it up in the middle of the Hollywood Reporter. I'm not going to say his name. You can look it up yourself. LeBron James' agent, he lambasted LeBron James. LeBron James is going to be a failure because LeBron James said, LeBron James spent, I think, one or two seasons with this guy while Rich Paul was getting his education, mm -hmm. which, I, which I said, learning how to be an agent. And then when Rich Paul got his agent license, he said, I'm going over here with him. And LeBron's agent, he ripped them. Oh, you're never going to make it. This is, this is, you know, the NBA needs to put a stop to this. This is, this is not right. Da, 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 da. Rich Paul now has, if not the biggest sports agency in the United States. Oh, wow. Is that the guy that's you know? uh, uh, going with uh, Adel? Adel? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah, he's one of my heroes. Yes. I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> Yeah, it's a heavy guy. So, so it's that mindset where it's where where you have to understand that I, I do have to learn. Right. I do have to learn how to do the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And once I learn how to do the business, now I have to find clients that trust me, and I have to be trustworthy. Okay. Right. And um. And I have to perform. Right. Okay. I have to perform. All right. Uh, now that, that that's the first barrier, and that's access to capital. We got five. All right. So that's we got four more that we want to talk talk speak to. Okay. I want you to couple for. Okay. The next one is uh, lack of financial literacy. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about that one because that's a tough one. I, I, mean, I spent a lot of time with my kids as they, as they grew up, you know, trying to open a bank account and just, you know, just right. overseeing that. And fortunately, they have listened. You know, with kids, there's a delayed reaction. That delayed reaction may be a couple of years, right. but all of a sudden they're doing what you told them was the right way. They get on the path. Right. So you know, let's talk a little bit more about this. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story I think you could appreciate. Okay. Okay. So when I was about seven years old, my father used to go, we used to ride in Manhattan going from bank to bank. Right. Okay. And um, pulled up in front of the Bowery Savings Bank. You remember the Bowery oh, Savings yeah, Bank? Yeah, that's, yep, yep, absolutely. Pulled up in front of the Bowery Savings Bank, right? One thing he said, because there was a lot of there was a lot of junkies out there, he said, Don't ever turn out like them. That's the first thing he said. Okay. And he went in, he went in. Why he left me in the car, I don't know. <laughs> he locked the <laughs> door. The door he went the windows, crack the windows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rolled all the windows up, locked it. He went in and he came out. And he came out with a passbook. Remember the passbook? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, the same green passbook. Yeah, green, yeah. green passbook with gold writing on it. Absolutely, I remember. And he opened it up and he said, this, this is yours. He said, this is yours. And this is your money. And at that time, there was a savings bonds. And that savings bonds was paying, I think it was paying somewhere around 8 or 9%. Okay. We're talking about 1972, 73, 74. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The savings bond. Right. I love the U.S. savings bond. I used to love those things. You're never going to see that again. Yeah. You're never going to see that again, right? So that was my first interaction with money, right? Okay. The second, the second one was there was, a, there was a man, I'm not going to say his name, but he used to ride in a Volkswagen. He had an orange Volkswagen. He used to come down the street, and, you know, the Volkswagen had the little rails on the side, mm-hmm. and we would stand on the rails and hold on to his window, and he would park his car with little kids with 10 years, you know, seven, seven year olds. And he would park his car and he got out. And I write about this story on, on one of the, uh, I talk about it on one of my podcasts. He opened the New York times and he said, I made some good money today. Now this, this man was a uh, a maintenance worker in the world trade center, right? Okay. He, he wasn't in, it wasn't in there when they got blown up, thank God. Nice. But that's where he, that's where he worked. He worked for the port authority and he showed us, in the New York Times, they used to have the tickers, the ticker symbols, and he showed us an F. It was an F, just the letter F. He said, I made money today. I own Ford Motor Company. So, so okay, so we walked with, there's no way he owns Ford Motor Company. He lives around the corner from us. It's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever owns Ford Motor Company is a millionaire, okay. right? But we started to learn that you can have ownership in these companies, and that ownership like Ford paid a dividend. And with that dividend, you got compounded interest. And that compounded interest over years kept yes, compounding. Yes. And that, that maintenance worker retired a multimillionaire because he knew this back in the 70s okay. when, you know, my dad was buying a savings bond, right? Mm-hmm. He was buying stocks that were paying him quarterly dividends. Right. Okay. Compound, compound. Take that. So when so for your audience, compounding is when they pay me the dividend, I buy more stock with that dividend. Every time they give me a dividend, I buy more stock. The stock market's down. I buy more stock. The stock market's up. I buy more stock. That's called dollar cost averaging. Okay. Right. So 
no matter when that dividend comes in, I'm buying more stock. Over time, that money grows faster than the economy. And I, let me let me put a, a, a asterisk on this. It doesn't happen all the time. This is not a guarantee. What I'm talking about is if you invest in stocks that pay dividends, mm-hmm. you can compound your interest. Whether it grows or not depends on what stock you buy. He bought Ford. And if you bought Ford in 1976 and you held it, I mean, he's still alive today, you know, and that money compounded. He's a millionaire. He's, he, he's been a millionaire two or three times over. Okay. So my point is he talked to his children about that. He talked to me. I wasn't his child. When they sat at the dinner table, they talked about what stocks did you buy today? What did you see in the news? What did you see in the business cycle? What do you want to do when you grow up? right? When you grow up, well, you got to start investing now, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had these conversations, these dinners that you have with your family. That's like a board meeting. That is the board meeting of the family. You have it every night. Okay. Whenever you break bread, you have it. When uncle Joe comes over and uncle Mike comes over, uncle Mike says, Hey, you know what I did? I bought some Tesla last year. I didn't put all my money into it, but I put 10% into it and now it's starting to grow. So now cousin Jim says, that sounds like a good idea. What does Tesla do? And they have these conversations. This starts with the family. Oh, absolutely. This starts with the family. And when you start, when you take people away from the family and they don't have these dinners together, then the information is not shared. You know, one of my, one of my, uh, professors at UCLA said, we act as if we're nomads, right? Okay. Because we act like we're no, we don't belong to a tribe. We shop with these people. We spend our money with those people. We don't talk to each other about how to get money together. So as a group, we act nomadic, right? We, we need to become more tribal. We need to coalesce. We need to be, exactly, that's, that's a better term than coalesce. Tribal. Right. Everybody belongs to a tribe. Okay? And, you know, if you go back through our history, you know, people get together to face off, face off a common enemy. But the tribe came first as part of what... Well, when I say tribe, I mean, I mean the family, right? I mean the family. Okay. Whether it's black, white, whatever... The fa- it all starts with the family. If, if when, when I go to certain different cultures, their family, they eat together. You know, when I'm, when I'm in our culture, sometimes this one will run in and grab a plate. This other one doesn't want to eat. This other, I remember we used to pray over our food together, right? We used to bless our food together. Okay. You go to the, some, some of these households now, not so much. Yeah. You know, um, so I just I just think that when you talk about finances and you talk about money, I think it all starts with the family. Right. And I think I think anybody who can hear this podcast, Mm -hmm. if you have a child, my suggestion, this is not financial advice. This is a suggestion. Go online and find the direct stock programs. Different companies have what's called the direct stock program where you can write, let's say Disney, Disney has one. 
You can find it direct stock, direct stock purchase program, DISP. And you can write to Disney and, and they'll tell you their share prices, whatever it is. And you could buy one, two, three, four, five shares of stock. Put it in your child's birthday card. And when you give him his card, give him that stock certificate and let him know that he owns a part of Disney now. And if he wants to continue owning it, we can take money every year and buy you some Disney, right? He starts to understand that not only am I using Disney products, but I own it also. So every time I use it, I'm making money for myself, right? Okay. Same thing, same thing with Nike. I don't know if Nike does it, but most of your bigger, you know, Fortune 500 companies, they have a DISP program. Give them the certificates. Let them hang it on the wall. Frame it. DISP. What is that uh, mnemonic for? Direct stock purchase. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, what would you recommend? I mean, because if if you're going to invest in stock, now I mean, you know, securities, and we're talking on the equity side now, right? Right. That was a high risk investment. All right. The high risk. You got to weigh all the risk and things. I mean, you really got to study. But from, from, from the perspective of what you're saying, you know, start small and put a little bit instead of buying a toy, something that's disposable. Right. Give them a stock certificate. Say, okay, this is okay. Or give them, I have grandkids and I have great grandkids. Right. Grandkids. Right? Yes. All right. Absolutely. So, you know, what I thought that what I'm going to start doing because they're past eight, nine now is to go out and, and buy stock and give it to my kids. As a matter of fact, yeah, you know, I mean, I have a, a portfolio myself. I don't manage it, all right? It's managed elsewhere. But that is very good, especially for single parents, I would think. What would you, what would you uh, say to a single mother with three kids? Well, well <laughs> a single mother with three kids, I would say, you know, listen, what, what you do, they're going to emulate, right? If you're going to listen to Sexy Red, they're going to listen to Sexy Red. You know, if, if you're not going to pay attention to what's going on in the economy, they're not going to pay attention to what's going on in the economy. My suggestion is understand that you are the prototype, right? You, you, you've made these three kids and they are going to follow you, right? If you're interested in, in, in financial uh, well-being, they'll be interested in financial well-being, mm -hmm. right? My suggestion is turn on CNBC. You know, um, out here, the market closes at 1.30. Uh, where you guys are, I believe it's 4.30. 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Yeah. Right. So 1 right. So o'clock and 4 o'clock. So what I would do is a half hour before the market closes it's, it's called closing bell right, on right, cnbc right. i would turn on cnbc every day about a half hour before the market closes and just let it run turn this volume up your kids are in there they say mom what are we watching so we are watching the economy we are watching the value of our country the s p 500 we're going to watch the uh the nasdaq which is mostly your technology stocks right, right? We're gonna, and if the tickers are gonna go by 
and show them. Say, that's Nike. That's Nike just went by. Nike cost it, so and so. You know, the stuff that they like, right? There's Disney. Disney just went by, you know, however much it is. And then they say, well, what, why is it going? But they, they want to learn. They want to learn. They're going to see something they've never seen before. They want to know what is it? Right. What is this all? What, is it, what does it mean? What does it all mean? Right? Explain it to them because this is how this is how wealth is built, right? Wealth is built by watching other people build wealth. Absolutely. There's no true estate. Yes. Yes. I'm on the audience and all that. So, yeah. This man knows what he's talking about. I've been in finance over 30 years. So, uh, when he wasn't even born, I was working. <laughs> well, I'm making an assumption, right? Okay. No, no, yeah, that's good. Right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, you know, just so as a follow on to what you were just saying, you know, you got stocks, you got many different investment vehicles, you know, you got bullion, which is gold and silver and platinum, right? right? Then you got the stock market, then you got bonds. That's why right. you're going to be on the show multiple times because you are going to be a, a person that disperses information, financial knowledge to the community. I want you to be a, well, I'm, just I'm, a voice, I just a voice, because we, you know, we we need people like you. We need people like you. It. All right. So let's go on to the third uh, hindrance that uh, minority people and students, right? Mm-hmm. Face. Okay. High cost of living. That's a that's an impediment to uh, financial growth. Let's talk about that. Well, I, I would say, listen. Uh, high cost of living. First of all, you got to do a budget, right? Yes. You got to do a budget. And then once you realize what you're wasting money on, the cost of living might not be that high, right? You, you know, um, we used to have a joke when we, were, when we were younger, right? We would go to uh, different people's apartments in the Bronx and stuff. And we say, you know what? They don't, they, <laughs> they, oh, we don't have no money. Our phone is cut off. We don't have any food. But that cable TV is still running. How, do, how does the cable stay on? Because you made it a priority. Right. You see what I'm saying? You made cable a priority. Now, everything else is cut off. You don't have no food. I can't feed my baby. But that cable TV is still on. <laughs> you have to understand what are the priorities, right? And make a budget and start there. Um, having, you know... Uh, a, a cell phone that costs, you know, $1,000, an iPhone, that might not be a priority. If you think about all the iPhones people have had, you know, through this upgrade process, because every year, Apple wants you to upgrade every year. $1,000 a phone, right? If you, if we go back 10 years, uh, I think Apple's been making phones for 16 years, iPhones. You go back 16 years, it might, it might even be longer than that. And you took, let's call it, we rounded off to about $800. And you put $800 in the S&P 500 for the last 16 years. Do you think the iPhone 15 is going to be worth more than that account? <laughs> you get a bunch of iPhones. You're going to you get, get a whole lot of iPhones. So, what yes. Apple, so, so, look, so look, this is what Apple does. Apple says, this is what we're going to do. Every year, we're going to make a new phone. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now we're charging $1,100, $1,200 for the phone. It costs us about $300 to make it, you know, if, if that. 
because we're making them. The more we make, the, the lower the cost goes. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, you know yeah, how that yeah, works, right? Yeah. Right. So what does Apple do with their money? When they get the money, what do they do with their money? They pay themselves large salaries and they invest, they it, back in the they yes. they reinvest it back in the company. They reinvest it back in the company, right? So, and, and then they come up with new products, right? That's why they don't pay and dividends. Like, Apple does not pay dividends. That's why they don't pay that's dividends. Right. That's why they don't pay dividends. Absolutely. That's right. They reinvest it back in the company. They're not going to pay you any dividends because then, they, then our profits go down. So now we're paying you. Why are we paying you? Right? So, what happened, what Steve Jobs said, he said, do you know what I'm holding in my hand? Now, this, he didn't say this verbatim, mm-hmm. but, he, but he said, do you know what I'm holding in my hand? And somebody said a phone. He says, no, a conduit to your bank account. Wow. Every time you buy something, every time you touch an app, every time you do, I'm, I'm in your bank account. Yes. yes. And I'm going to link your debit card to the phone, you know, every time you buy an app, every time you need a service, Apple's going to take some pennies off of that, off of that uh, transaction. Oh yeah, they take. They, you, they're not doing this for free. This is not a free. There's no free lunch. Absolutely. You know? And then the thing is, every, with, with Apple, just as an example, all right, just to reinforce what we're talking about is that with Apple, they, they used to give you a, a headset and all that kind of stuff with the phone. Now you only just get the phone. You have to go and buy accessories. So they're making money. You don't even get the charge. Right. They don't even want you to charge it. Yeah. You need to charge it. <laughs> you know? And now, yeah, I mean, Apple is a master at doing that. Right. And just like Amazon. And, and you know, do you know what they said? Right. They said, we're not giving you the charger and the cord because we want to save the environment. Oh, isn't that so nice? Yeah, That's right. so great. That's right. so nice. You got to save the environment, you know. But the reality is, you know, when you start talking about the cost of living, yeah. um, I, I, I think, you know, um, you don't need Gucci and, and, and Ferragamo to make you a better person. You know what I mean? You are, you know, you, most people are great people and good looking people on their mm-hmm. own. And if you go, if you have a friend who knows how to style and put together clothes, I, I mean, I, I had a, I had a friend who was from, um, she was from the Caribbean, right? And she came in the room with a piece of material, you know, this is a piece of material. And I said, what are you going to do with that? She said, I'm going to make a wrap. And she wrapped this thing around her and wrapped it up here and did all this and wrapped it around her, her, her chest and brought it down. And then she said, all right, let's go to the club. I was like, this is insane that the ingenuity, you know, coming from Barbados with this, this ingenuity that I don't have to go to Macy's and buy a dress. I know how to wrap this stuff and, and look, she looked beautiful, put on her earrings and everything. I was like, wow, you know? But we are of the mindset in the United States that unless it says Gucci or Ferragamo or something on it, that it's not worthy. You know, if you don't own, if you don't own stocks in these companies, if you don't own any ownership in this company, you don't have any business buying a thousand dollar bag. One last story. I was in, I was in the inner city and 
I was at a friend's house and um, her daughter was having a baby. She said her daughter wanted a diaper bag. I said, well, how much is it? She said, well, it's a Gucci diaper bag. It's $3,000. I said, you're going to get your daughter killed. She said, what do you mean? I said, she's riding the bus. She doesn't even have a car. She gets on that bus with that $3,000 diaper bag. She's, she, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So, you know, sometimes we put our lives at risk just for that designer name. And, and, and we got to start thinking different. That's, that's all I'm saying. We just got to yeah, start yeah, thinking. Our mindset has to change. You know, what, what our, value, yeah. our values are. You know, what we value, rather. Uh, because this has nothing to do with Mars or anything, and, and, but this is what you what you what you go out and purchase, all right, and the wealth that you're losing by purchasing disposable, like I said earlier, disposable things that you're going to throw away. You know, so I don't see that. So, uh, I mean, if you if you look at if you look at, you know, I'll just yeah. throw this out here, Melinda Melinda Gates, yeah, yeah, Bill yeah. Gates' wife, multi-billionaire. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw her with a with a with a Gucci bag? Nah, I wouldn't know a Gucci bag if I saw it. <laughs> and neither and neither and neither would she. Because when you when you have billions of dollars, what's a Gucci bag? That's right. That's right. You know? I'm gonna tell you a story. You may you triggered a memory. Back Go ahead. When I first came to New York, I got a part time job at JCPenney and on Sixth Avenue. Okay. All right. And it was the main office for JCPenney. And as part of employee orientation, you got to meet JCPenney himself. Oh I, the first God. thing I did, because I, I took pride in how I dressed and, you know, I was just basically a mirror of what you were saying earlier. All right. I looked at his shoes. That's the first thing I look at with a, in a, uh, as far as a man is concerned, and especially a rich, rich man like himself. Right. You know, his shoes were not polished. They were halfway run over. And the man is a multi-millionaire. That taught me a, a very valuable lesson just by meeting him and just observing him. Very humble right. guy, you know, but look, no shoe shine, nothing extravagant about him. Even his office was huge, but this was J.C. Benny himself. I'm... I'm- with that story, I'm going to tell your listeners, go out and buy a book. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. Go out and buy a book. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. And it basically talks about this guy who, you know, is not flashy, may have had one or two cars, maybe three cars in his life, doesn't go out and buy the flashy clothes, you know, and, and people are calling him a bum. You know, they, they're, they're saying, ah, it's just Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Robinson lives next door. You know, he's, he don't have no money. He's not, you know. This guy had millions of dollars in the bank because he saw the world different. He saw money as opportunity, not as money. He said, I'm going to put this money aside so when the opportunity comes up for me to make more money, the money will be there. Right. And that's a true, that's a good practice. Millionaire next that door. That is a good practice. But, you know, I don't want to just glance over some of the things that we're talking about because I look at this more as an over, overview because we have other topics that we want to discuss. But I do want to do, right. you know, uh, give this topic is, is 
due diligence, owner do some due diligence in terms of what the audience receives. All right, so I would like for them to look at this first episode with you as an overview. Because we can drill down okay. much, much farther, you know, and in terms of what you invest in, you know, how you go about doing your research, et cetera, et cetera, how you learn about money in general. Right. And making money and retaining right. money. Okay. So we got some topics that we have to discuss, but I do want our audience to know that we're just scratching the surface right now. This is only one particular topic. And these are barriers. Right. There's other things that we need to talk about. All right. That we will be talking about with you. All right. So tell me uh, this last one, because in, in, in the sake, for the sake of time, there's a couple more that we want to talk about. Discrimination. How does that play a, a role for us? Well, uh, unfortunately, it still exists and it's still out there. And um, I will say this. Don't let it stop you, right? It, it, you, you're going to face it. And when you do, you have to say, I can overcome this. Think about, think about when they used to redline on property. You still do. I'm, I'm, I'm an example right. of that. Okay. You know, where I live, I'm the only one. Okay. All right. So... I know in a, a town in New Jersey, they were redlining on property sales, yeah. right? So they, so what happened is this couple got together with an agency and they, and they went in and they started looking for homes, right? right? Then, then they took a white couple and started looking for homes. They took them to a whole different section. They said, oh, you can buy over here. You can buy over here. But the black people couldn't buy on that side of town. They wind up suing that agency and they wound up uh, recuperating, you know, getting some money out of that lawsuit and stopping that redlining. Um, discrimination, I think now that we have more minorities of wealth, probably more than we've ever had in the history of this country, um, I think the opportunity for you to work for a minority company or with a minority entrepreneur is greater than it's ever been, okay. right? Um, you could literally graduate from UCLA or uh, NYU uh, with a degree in finance and go on Wall Street and find an African-American financial advisor for you to, uh, to shadow or to, to, to be uh, your mentor. Where when I, when I was coming up, not so much. And when oh, you were coming up, probably. Yeah, yeah about it. exactly. So I, so I think, you know, we're slowly uh, overcoming that. And I think the opportunities are there. And there are some programs also. Um, Give me a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. I Give you a couple. Well, first, yeah. of all, first, first of all, I would start with the NAACP, okay. right? First of all, I would call the NAACP, like, for, say for instance, you wanted to be a lawyer, right? You wanted to go to law school. I would call the John Langston Bar Association, you know, and I would find out, you know, here's my GPA. Uh, can, you, can you get me in contact with, with uh, some deans at some schools, some, you know, where I'm an African-American, male or female, and, and I'd like to go, you know, start with these associations. These associations were built on the backs of people 
who have done this already. You're not by yourself. You have the NAACP, you have the Urban League. I know when I was in New Jersey, they had the uh, Black Women Lawyers Association. There's one out here in LA. There's the Black Women Physicians Association. They have mentorship programs. Call, you know, call the links, right? Call the links, call NAACP, call the Urban League. Um, start with the groups. Whatever career you wanna do, start with the groups. Um, the funny thing about, about that is, is that you'll be surprised some of the connections these organizations have. Okay. You would be surprised. All right. Okay, so then the next thing that I wanna bring up is the economic uncertainty that's going on. You know, today the market, the last couple of days, market's way low. All three indices, all right, in yeah. New York Stock Exchange, S&P, NASDAQ, they are down, all right? I think S&P was down like 100 points over the last three days. So right, what do you think right. is the um, cause of that? Well, war. War is the cause of that. I mean, you, you got to warn Ukraine. You got you to warn Israel. We don't know how what, what that war in Israel is going to turn into because uh, we really wanted Israel not to go into Gaza and occupy it. And we don't know what they're going to do. We don't, you know, uh, the way we, we, it's uncertainty, right? So the bottom line is you're asking me why the markets are volatile and it's uncertainty, right? Uncertainty also is a friend of the trader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Because when the markets take dips like these, the guy, the millionaire next door who has the money in the bank, he's buying. When everybody's running, he's buying, right? Because, but he's buying high quality, right? So he's buying the high quality stops, stocks that have gotten banged up. Um, so the great thing about being in the financial industry is that when the, when the market's up, people are happy. And when the market's down, there's opportunity. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a mentality that traders have investors have uh but to right. be able to play in the market you know we have to play for the long term not unless you 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 know you have some type of uh not offset an edge you know when you go in i mean if you you buying on the low on, on the down are you hoping that it, you know you buy it cheaply on the down are you hoping that if you buy it at a cheap price and it goes up you know you buy low sell high right well Yes, but the, the way I do it is a little different, right? So what, what I do is I use dollar cost okay, averaging, right? That. So what I do, what I do is I'm not, if a client comes to me with, 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 uh, with money, the first thing, I'm, I'm not just going to take all their money and dump it in a portfolio, right? We're going to slowly trickle in to a high quality portfolio that pays a certain amount of dividends based on their risk tolerance, right? We're gonna ask you a lot of questions when you come in. We wanna find out who you are, why you're doing this, and what your goals are. We wanna find out what your future is. Do you plan on having kids? Do you have kids? What, what, what are your, um, what are your, uh, what, what, are, what are your legacy plans? Oh yeah, definitely. Right, do you wanna, do you wanna leave a legacy? So we wanna find out a lot before we make our first investment. And I would say that when, when your listeners go to find a financial advisor, if they're not asking you a lot of questions, 
then you might want to get up and find somebody else. Now, now a lot of investors will say, well, I just want to invest. That's, that's not what this is. That, that, that's, that's Atlantic City. That's Las Vegas. That's a casino. You're, you're in, investing is strategic, right. right? And it's based on who you are and what it is you're trying to accomplish, right? I have portfolios. I work with a, a portfolio manager. We have portfolios that we create for clients to accomplish that client's goal. Plus, we got to look at taxes, right? We got to see what kind of tax bracket the client's in. We got to look at, at, at vehicles that can, um, that would be tax deferred or sometimes tax free. Right. 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 So, you know, this is, this is not, this is not crypto, right? People wanted to go into crypto and they wanted to, they kept hearing about these crypto millionaires. Just about everybody I know who's in crypto is, is down right now. And they're down. Big. Yeah, that reminds me of my daughter's portfolio and that she's right, you know, she's managing for her own account, you know, personal. Right, right, she right. She invested in crypto and she, she's down, but she's young. So she, she looking at, she said, dad, I'm looking at the long term. My horizon right. is out there. All right. So I mean, you invest okay. in the market. One thing you got to understand is that it's not a quick, quick thing. You know, you can set you can set ceilings no. and floors. I mean, if you set a ceiling, no. if it gets if the price gets to a certain point, you trigger a sale. All right, if a price drops right. to a certain point, then you trigger a a, a, a buy or a sale. I mean, it's it's things that you do. All right, as part of your right. your strategy, right. like you said, you know, you have to have an investment strategy. Right. And, and some people might say, you know what, in three years, I want to buy a house. Right. So I can't lock you. I can't lock your money up in a seven year right. vehicle. Right. So we, we have to listen and we have to we have to take in a lot of information. And then and then we have to say, well, if you if you definitely gonna buy this house in, in, in three years, then we also got to look at the risk. Right. You need to be able to get to that money. You want you want something that's not going to. Uh, be volatile. So when you go get the money, now you're down 30%. Like that would be insane. Yeah, selling short. You're selling you know? short. I mean, not short. Right. I'm not talking about selling short now, but you, you're selling at a loss. You're selling mm -hmm. at a loss, right? So we don't want to do that. So we want to work with our clients to achieve our clients' goals. And like you said, most of those goals are long-term. Yes. I mean, when you look at the market, not unless you're a day trader, you got to look at long term or you got to set some type of parameter, you know, on the high right. side and on the low side. And necessarily, I got burned. You know, I don't want to go into it uh, in this show, on this show. But, you know, you can right. get burned on the low. You know what I mean? When you, you say, okay, if it, it drops to this point, you, you trigger a sale. Uh, you know. Right. And you have to be careful with that. You have to be committed to it yeah. because, you know, you can have an entry day. Like your stock opens at $10, for instance, and you have a, 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 a trigger, all right, that says if it drops below $9.75, then sell. All right? That's your floor. Right. But then that's the day. I've done that, and I've got burned because at close, the stock was up to $15. It dropped 9 to nine seventy five right. during the day, and then at close, Right. It was ten dollars, but I had already triggered a sale. Well, you were protecting I was protecting yourself. Protecting myself. Yeah, but 
you you got to think about the consequences. Everything has consequences, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Walter, I do want to, I like the, the workarounds, and I said that this is an introduction to what you do, what you what you offer, and and what I think what we're offering is something that our community community excuse me and benefit from knowledge information right oh those are prices okay so that's why i do want this to be somewhat of an overview because we got a lot of detailed information and a lot of different topics that we want to discuss with you okay well i'm happy to i'm happy to discuss them and i hope that someone can get some inform you know some knowledge from what we're talking about and uh you know the whole goal is to make your listeners lives a little bit better for listening to your Absolutely. podcast that's our mission it's our mission you know there got to be a takeaway what did you learn you know are we a value add in terms of what we offer and what we say what we in our presentation in the show all right the world we put. absolutely so if we cannot identify that we're adding any value or we we're, we're providing information our listeners that is, you know, positive or something that they can work with, then we're not doing our job. That's right. Okay. All righty. So, so this is one of maybe 10 uh, podcasts that we're going to do with Walter Richardson, the CEO of Richardson Wealth Management out of Los Angeles, California. He's a homeboy for a lot of y'all guys. He's from Harlem. You know, I'm from North Carolina, just yeah. for your info. And, yeah. and then we got a lot of listeners down in North Carolina. Actually, our listening, if you look at our numbers, North Carolina is number one in terms of, uh, you know, downloads of our podcast. North Carolina. All right. So what's up? What's up to Henderson? Henderson, North Carolina. Uh, Henderson. Uh, I don't even know where that is. Where is that? <laughs> it's, it's in the uh, sticks. I, I come from the sticks, too. It's yeah, the- yeah, yeah. Little, little town in eastern North Carolina. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah. I, 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 uh, I'll be remiss not to mention that I came up here when I was 16 and, uh, you know, I consider myself a New Yorker. That's right. Okay. So, all right. So I'm going to close the show with, uh, well, you have any final words you want to uh, get out to our listeners before you go, before we end this? Well, I would, I would just say, um, do your research on anything you do that has to do with investing. All right. Um, I'm looking at this situation with DJ Envy and, 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 and this, uh, this real estate situation where the guy said he had a thousand units that he already bought in apartments. And now he's asking investors to come in with a hundred thousand here, two hundred thousand here, three thousand. If you have a thousand units, you can leverage that to get whatever oh, yeah. you want. So why are you asking investors for money? Because he doesn't want to use so, his own money. You know, isn't that the case? Well, no. It was a no. It was a Ponzi ah, scheme. Ah, it was ah. a scheme. Do your research. Look up these people. Don't just take someone's word for it. Look them up. Go to the uh, go to the Better Business Bureau, right? Go to 
he was doing real estate call it the 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 the, the, the national society of real estate where whoever these real estate you know these real estate organizations right. look these people in. look me up when you get off this podcast look up walter richardson uh you can look up a broker and you can see that i'm fully light my licenses are active you know research wherever you put your money research a lot of people went into crypto and they never they didn't i said what does that crypto do they don't really know ask somebody what ethereum does they don't really know do your research because and, and then another thing i will tell you this this is the last piece of advice that i'm going to get okay. out of here is that people will always tell you when they made money they will never brag about losing money think about it and i use this scenario when people are on the way to las vegas that airplane is live and they are partying and they and everybody's having a good the plane ride back is one of the quietest plane rides you're ever going to take <laughs> in your life one. that's a good analogy yes okay yes very well thank you very much for that and folks uh as i said let me move it well to richardson uh ceo of richardson investment richardson wealth management and what, what is your website address? It's richardsonwealthmanagement.com. Richardsonwealthmanagement.com. www.richardsonwealthmanagement.com. Y'all got to take a look at the website, uh, see what uh, our instructor, it's almost like school here. That's what we're doing. We're going to teach a class in, in financial knowledge. All right. So take a look at his website. Uh, it'll be in the show notes uh, when the podcast comes out on Sunday after 3 p.m. on Sundays. You know, we release an episode every Sunday. And uh, we have other things that we want to talk about with Mr. Richardson. And uh, we'll look out for that. It'll be coming pretty quickly. Okay? All right. So, with that said, thanks for joining the Walt Weekly. We'll see y'all guys next week. Thank you so much right. for having me.